conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion... Folks, welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast for dads. In the spirit of dads, I watched today's movie the way it was meant to be seen. I came in 45 minutes late while somebody else was watching it, stood behind the couch and watched it with my hands on my hips the whole time. I'm oh. Dan O'Keefe and joining me as always is Anna Otto. How are you, Anna? Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm just, just slightly disappointed in you, Dan. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Why are you disappointed? Because your dad energy is unmatched. This is the daddiest. No, this is not the oh. daddiest movie. <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about a young Matt Damon, so. I do. I think you're really selling short Barry Pepper here. Um, but this is not the daddiest movie of all time. That's Magic Mike no. XXL. This is the Ooh, daddiest movie of all time. Um. Also here with us today, not a dad, Austin Sackett. How are you, Austin? Hi, guys. I am doing um, really well. I took a foot bath in my shower before we started recording, Ooh. so I am all all calmed out. I'm ready to talk about um, my favorite movie of all time, Saving Private Ryan. Wow, that sounds luxurious. You're ready to talk about Saving Private Ryan. Anna's ready to talk about that foot bath. I am. <laughs> Honestly, I'm all about self-care, Dan. You know this. I I know that, which is odd because it seems like you need more self-care. I need all the self-care I can <laughs> fucking get. Just like Mac Miller, we need some self-care in here. Amen. I was um, thinking about doing a mask before I came on, but I was home too late, so I couldn't do it. Sorry, guys. Literally. No one would care if you had a terrifying mask on while recording. Oh, I know. Austin, you may not know this, but there's been many a time where I was doing a recording where I came on camera and uh, had my hair up in a towel, had my makeup still on my face from the day, speared all of... It's been rough. It's there hard have been in times the streets. where while we're recording, Anna will take off her eyelashes and <laughs> put them on her forehead just to leave them there until after recording so she doesn't lose them. Correct. You know, that's not a bad way of going about it, honestly. Thank you for your support, Austin. Of course. Austin, that's that's too sincere. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I need to get more snarky and sarcastic. Yeah, that's please. the vibe of the Thank podcast. You. No, no, I like <laughs> that he's complimenting my eyelash storage uh, practices. Uh, speaking of not eyelash storage practices. As Austin said, the movie we're talking about today is Saving Private Ryan, um, directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Robert Rodat, who I've never heard of before. Um, Quite the name. But he also wrote Thor The Dark World. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say who it's starring yet, because I have to run through, like, 30 people in that case. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but cinematography by Janis Kaminsky. Janis? Uh, Ooh, Yanni, yeah. I like that. Not Janis. But not 
Giannis, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Giannis the Polish way, J-A-N-U-S-Z. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Music by John Williams, released on July 24th, 1998, with a budget of $70 million. It made $482.3 million at the box office and was the second highest grossing movie of the year behind Michael Bay's Armageddon. So just quality mm. on top of quality. Mm. Um, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it is a 93% approval rating with the critical consensus reading. Anchored by another winning performance by Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg's unflinchingly realistic war film virtually redefines the genre. Roger Ebert gave it four stars and called it a powerful experience. It is a powerful experience. It is. And it's your favorite movie, Austin. It is, yeah. Tell us about that. Why is it? Yeah, so actually, before I answer that question, can I completely derail this whole podcast for like five minutes? I would love oh. to. Okay, so as listeners of this podcast would know, you guys just celebrated your 100th episode we did. last week. Yes. yes. And I just wanted to say um, congratulations on that, as well as Anna's correct, Joker is a fantastic <gasps> movie, and uh, Dan is wrong. Oh, adjust uh, so. your crown, King. Yes. <laughs> I like Austin. He can come on anytime he wants. I can understand the criticisms of it, um, but I overall enjoy it. But that's not what I wanted to overall say. But as Dan knows, I am a big game guy. I love playing board games. I love playing card games. I came up with a musical game that we played in Anna Horst's apartment back, you know, three, four years ago that times. Dan absolutely crushed. Um, <laughs> but I figured that as your first guest of the new hundred, the new century, I would, mm-hmm. the new century, I would reflect back on the past hundred episodes and see how well you guys know the movies you already covered. Oh Ooh. no, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. <laughs> so, I made an Excel spreadsheet that has every single movie you have covered so far. Oh my god, I'm stressed. (laughs) With different categories, and I want to see how well, again, you know the movies you've already covered. Okay. Okay, I'm stressed. So the first category is length of movie. What do you guys think is the shortest movie you have covered so far? Um, Halloween Town, final answer. (laughs) Is it like Scrooge's Rock and Roll Christmas? Or... Oh, okay. I should have preference. Okay. Does not include the Christmas episode. Okay. And Troll 2 only counts once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I still stand by Halloween Town. I'm going to say okay. Sh- mm, Shrek. Halloween Town 2. Oh, so I was so close. Very close. With a runtime of 80 minutes. Oh, well, I knew it was the longest movie. Longest, longest movie? movie. Not counting this Which, movie? Not including this movie, and actually, they're exactly the same amount of time Ooh, by dang. the minute. Oh, wow. Exactly the same. Okay. Um, oh, this is I'm going to go with... Ooh. Would you like a hint? Before, the... before a hint, um, do you have your guess, Anna? Yeah, I'm going to say The Dark Knight, because superhero movies are long. I was going to say The Dark Knight Rises. <gasps> Twins. Okay. 
The correct answer is the 2019 It Part 2 oh, oh, with a yeah. runtime of 169 minutes. Oh, nice. I was just thinking about that today because I had my It shirt in my hand and I was like, what movie am I going to torture Dan with this Halloween? Probably Pet Cemetery, <laughs> which is the shirt I ended up wearing. I was okay. thinking about it today because I killed a clown. Anyway, what's the next question? <laughs> Lord. Next question. What is the oldest movie you have covered? Oldest? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you're right. It's a Wonderful Life, 1946. I think that's the only movie we've covered from before the 70s. It's the only black um, and white one, I think. Looking at, just doing quick look-see, I believe you are correct on that one. Yes. Mm. Um, newest movie. This one probably be pretty easy for you guys. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah. Yep. Yep, good job. Um, what movie had the lowest budget? Oh. Troll 2. No, I can't. Soul Maybe. Taker. <gasps> Ooh. Troll 2. Oh! With uh, $100,000. dollars Most and expensive good movie. Most expensive? Um, I mean, we haven't covered Pirates of the Caribbean. If we had, I would know <laughs> it would be at World's End. Um, Lord. I'm going to say, what's a... Oh, Spider-Man 3. Oh! Correct. Spider-Man 3, $350 million. That's insane. That is insane. I, is I was insane. thinking Batman again, so I'm glad you said Spider-Man, because I, I know it has to be something with a lot of special effects. All right. The movie that was the lowest earnings. Lowest earnings. Um... It's and probably going to be a DCOM, right? Is One this counting the DCOMs? Say... So, okay, I should have prefaced that as well. Um, this is based off of the information I could find. Most of the DCOMs, they do not have um, okay. yeah. earnings because they were on TV. Okay. okay, that's fair. Then I'm going to say Soul Taker. <laughs> uh, yep, Soul yeah. Taker, 43982 by what I found. Nice. And then the movie with the most earnings, again, this would be pretty easy. Dark Knight, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. The uh, Dark Knight Rises, actually. Oh, that made more money than Shook. the Dark Knight? Based on what I found, I believe so. It, it was um, $1,081,000,000 uh -huh. opposed to $5 million of regular. Ooh. Oh wow, close. Wow, the b b b yes. billion. <laughs> now, this one I don't think you've ever really covered in depth. Okay. But which one oh, a little bit. Which one is the biggest box office bomb? Made the least amount of money back on on its budget? What? On its budget, yes. So, I know the now King of Comedy I mentioned was a bomb, but that oh. only had a 19 million dollar budget, so it's not I don't think that would be it. Um, I feel my energy is saying now you see me, but it feels not correct. Also, because I love that movie. Dan, what if I told you the King of Comedy is the biggest really? box office Woo! bomb you have covered so far? And wow. it made 13% of its budget back. That's not and ideal. No. Not <laughs> ideal whatsoever. And this one surprised me, like, 
majorly. Mm-hmm. Which one was the biggest success based off of its budget for how much it earned? Shrek. No, uh, yeah, Shrek. Shrek. Percentage wise, Shrek. It is actually Split. Oh, <gasps> oh yeah, because Split was like ten million dollars or something. It made um, three thousand ninety-four percent back on how much it cost. Oh, yeah. Honestly, wow. pop off, James McAvoy, <laughs> King. All right, and then um, lowest rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Troll two. Soul Taker, actually, zero <gasps> percent. <laughs> Troll two has five percent. Ooh, good for her. And then the movie with the highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, my mouth almost said Shrek twice, and I know that ain't it. <laughs> it it's um. I'm going to say Taxi Driver. Oh, interesting. What is your opinion, Anna? What do you um, think? I don't know. I have no idea. My brain just keeps saying Shrek. I don't know what's happening to me. <laughs> I'm just Shrek s- is love. Shrek is life. But the answer is actually Goodwill Hunting. percent <gasps> on Rotten Tomatoes. A movie wow. about math. Who would have thought? Not me. Movie about and then that. the last category, not necessarily lowest or highest, but if you had a guess, the movie ratings, you know, PG, G, PG-13, rated R, mm-hmm. um, again, not really counting DCOMs because they're TV rated opposed to box office rated. And they would be um, hard R, bordering on They NC would be hard R, exactly. Hard R. Um, but what rating have you guys covered the most? PG-13. PG-13, that is correct. Boom. Um, And then I did another quick thing, because, again, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to stats. I love love this. I'm having a great time. But if you were to do a in-conclusion movie, it would run uh, 111 minutes. (gasps) Okay. It would have come out in 2000. Sounds with a budget right. of sixty-four point three seven million, mm. it would have made one hundred and forty-seven point two seven million in the box office. All right, all right, That's all right, profit, baby. It would have been rated, or it would have gotten a Rotten Tomatoes rating of sixty-six percent. Better than fifty, and it would have been rated PG thirteen. Now, originally, before you guys did Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, mm-hmm. it would have been a two thousand one movie. And I try to look as closest to the stats that we have, what would actually be the movie that would have came out. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, oh, no. But those, it, those two bumped it down to 2000. But the 2001 Planet of the Apes <gasps> would have been the inclusion huh. overall movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mark the closest Wahlberg stats to everything you guys have had. Strong. Oh, is this yeah. because of how often I force Gage to go to Wahlburgers with me? Is that where this is coming from? Like this Probably. Energy? Oh my god! So that is the inconclusion um, roundup. Oh, we'll call it. I love um, that. So yeah, I was just really bored at work one day and decided, you know what, I'm going to be coming on the show, and I love games and stats. So oh. 
that's that. Great. And now we'll go into the super long discussion of a super long movie. <laughs> I loved that. I loved everything about it. That was so fun. Yes. Thank you uh, for doing that. Thank you for that. Thank you for the congratulations on the 100th episode yes. as well. This That game was super fun. Um, I'd like to offer you on air the official unpaid role of in conclusion statistician. Ooh. All right. I'll take it. I'll Highly take it. Awesome. After. It is a 40 hour a week commitment, though. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? It's a commitment I'm going to have to dive headfirst into and just accept. Perfect. But I, I will keep the stats for the next 100 episodes if you guys want me to keep on doing it. It oh won't be God. that hard to do. Otherwise, I can forward the Excel document to Dan if he wants to keep track of it. But oh, And I'm take trying. it away from our official statistician. All right. I'll keep doing it myself then. <laughs> if you like doing it, go ahead. That's what I always yeah, say. I, it was actually really interesting just to go through and... Um, look back and you know all the episodes that you guys have done and you know like I said Split was a big surprise for me I think that was the biggest surprise overall yeah. like yeah it's had a left I made field. a ton of money back off of its budget but oh. yeah so there you go cool cool well thank you for that Austin now back to the original question why do you love <laughs> Saving sorry. Private Ryan <laughs> sorry um, yeah so um, my dad and I. Like our bonding time when my sister wasn't there, um, would we watch movies together? Mm. And he would show me a whole bunch of, you know, really good movies like Goodfellas, um, Saving Private Ryan was one of them. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of classic, like you said earlier, dad, bro, like aggressive, violent <laughs> movies. Um, and so I don't remember the very first time that. I watched Save a Private Ryan, mm-hmm. but I know for a fact it was with my dad. And I would know for a fact that we would have trail mix and popcorn is what we ate. Oh my God, that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. So I don't remember the first time. I probably would have been uh, probably 13 or 14 um, when I first saw it. But it was just, as we'll get into, um, the opening scene is arguably i think the best opening scene to any movie i've ever seen Mm -hmm. and it just keeps on going from there and um yeah it's just you know phenomenal cast we haven't got into that part yet but um just great acting great um cinematography just an overall really great movie and to this day i have not seen a better movie Mm -hmm. um you know it's just it's stuck with me and when you do icebreaker questions with people, you know, they ask you what your favorite movie is, what your favorite TV show is. And I just keep on coming back to Saving Private Ryan because, you know, I've seen really good movies that have affected me in different ways, but I've just never had that same feeling since. Hmm. And um, rewatching it, I go back to it about once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that's on Netflix, it's even easier, but. Um, yeah, it's just, I think, an overall phenomenal movie. And yeah, that's just always stuck with me since then. Um, I'm going to... That is a... Um... Sorry, I accidentally muted Anna and I can't unmute her now. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, I didn't say anything. Oh, Dan, I was just so enwrapped, in, in, engulfed. What am I trying to say? I was so... Enraptured. Enamored. Yes, enamored. Something with N at the beginning. Enamored mm-hmm. with what Austin was saying. Mm-hmm. I just had to, you know, really zone in and. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so that is a a, a great attachment to have mm-hmm. yeah. to um, a movie, and especially a movie as good as this, and that it's not something like Pearl Harbor. Um, mm-hmm. Gage asked if we were doing that movie, and I said, <laughs> I don't think so. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, don't talk down about Cuba like that. Come on. Um but you mentioned the cast, and now I'm going to do mm-hmm. the run-through of all of the famous men in this movie because there is literally one... Two women? Two women? One woman? One woman and one girl. Yeah. Or I guess, yeah. so there's the... Um, Mrs. Ryan. Oh, and then, you're right. Okay, two women and then one yes. child. Yeah. Okay. May yeah. I interrupt before you? Oh, talk actually, about... there's actually more women because there's a typers. Oh, oh that's hot true. Dog. But, yeah. Just to interrupt uh, in talking about before you list off all of the actors, I want you to know that every time a new actor came on screen, Gage would go, "Who's that?" And I go, "I don't <laughs> freaking know because their helmets are covering their eyes." <laughs> You and your facial blindness. Mm-hmm. I was I was fighting for my life in the, in these streets. Okay. <laughs> Anna walked in uh, about like an hour into me watching the movie, and I went, "That's Vin Diesel." And then he was immediately shot, and poor she was Vin. like, "Why would you tell me this?" Uh, I poor Vin. There's a a magazine with him on it at my gym, and it just he's always smiling at me when I'm lifting weights. Me and Vin. <laughs> Fast and furious. Uh, so, the cast. It is Tom Hanks, Edward Burns, Matt Damon, Tom Sizemore, Jeremy Davies, Vin Diesel, Adam Goldberg, you know, the one from those four episodes of Friends, Barry Pepper, <laughs> Giovanni Ribisi, you know, the ones from that four episodes of Friends, Dennis Farina, Ted Danson, uh, Brian Cranston, Nathan Fillion, Paul Giamatti, and a bunch of other men who I don't recognize, but just those those top-line actors, that is a stacked mm-hmm. cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I try to watch this about once a year, mm-hmm. um, but it's been maybe a little bit longer than that since the last time I saw it, and I watched this on Sunday, and I was like, wait, Phoebe's brother is in this? <laughs> and I kept watching it, and I'm like, wait, the guy from Big Fat Liars in this? Mm-hmm. Like, wow, like, it's more stacked than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I I've have... seen this movie probably 15 times. Yeah. So, like, the fact that that surprised me, I was like, holy cow. I want you to know that this is my first time watching this, sort mm-hmm. of. I watched the opening scene in a history class when I was in high school. But I had the same reaction <laughs> whenever somebody I recognized came on screen. Um. This is this might be my first time watching it all the way through in one sitting. I have seen the whole movie uh, in bits and pieces because as it is the daddest movie, it airs on TNT about nine times a day. So just flipping it on, I would watch an hour of it here, an hour of it there. I'd seen the opening um, D-Day landing a bunch of times. And I didn't remember mm-hmm. the I remembered most of the people who were except for Nathan Fillion. I was like, wait a minute. He's in this. He's so young. He's so cute. I was going to say the same thing, except I was thinking that Ted Danson was kind of looking fine. What do you mean was? I'm not into... 73-year-old Ted Danson doesn't get your motor running? He really doesn't. Matt Damon was looking like a snack, though. You know how I feel about him. (laughs) 
Um, the the actor who plays the older version of Matt Damon's character, James Ryan, mm-hmm. his name is Harrison Young. And when you Google him and go to images, it comes up with two full lines of young Harrison Ford pictures. Oh, so he is not oh. very well known outside of this. All men named Harrison are Harrison Ford confirmed. Yes. But the him as an elderly Matt Damon, when they do that face morph, <gasps> which is also the yeah. gift that yes. whenever you're feeling old, you look at. Gorge. Um, it's crazy how similar they look. I said the yeah. same thing. And, I mean, this movie came out in 1998, you said? Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, there was a lot of really cool special effects and stuff done before this and since then. Mm-hmm. But that facial, like, transform from young Ryan to old Ryan, yeah, it still gets me. Like, that is just so cool. And, like, you guys have more, like, you know, theater, cinema knowledge than I do. But, like, that that amazed me like that's still so cool for me and i don't know how they do it and i'll never know how they do it but (laughs) it's really cool so it's it's very beautifully done and i think one thing that's nice about this movie is a lot of the special effects still hold up today which is really cool Mm -hmm. and you can't say that about a lot of movies Mm -hmm. i don't know the dirty details about what was like if anything was cgi'd if anything if it was all practical like i don't know obviously they're Mm -hmm. not going to cut an actual man's intestines out maybe they did maybe if Only they really care tell. about the craft they would yeah <sighs> not enough people willing to cut their intestines out for the craft these days <laughs> no but i i don't know how they did it but however they did all of those like like gore effects and how they did everything it's just it's mm-hmm. it's beautifully mm-hmm. done and it still holds up today so yeah, yeah. and it really it, it shows the absolute gruesomeness Mm-hmm. that there yeah. is in war it doesn't pull any punches like the the person's guts spilling out people getting limbs blown off and all that like yeah mm-hmm. um as you said when you were talking about watching this and other movies with your dad austin uh, mm-hmm. i feel like the difference between this and a lot of the other like super violent guy bro movies is this there is no angle that you can view this at as glamorizing or celebrating the violence within it. No, no. And I mean, I have a whole bunch of notes that, you know, I'll get into mm-hmm. later on as we go through it. But um, I just wanted, I have in my phone notes section, I just would be a little, um, not remorse. Yeah, you know, I guess remorse, but like, to bring up the situation we ha- currently have in Ukraine and with Russia and, you know, for the fact that I'm on three war movie mm-hmm. like podcasts mm-hmm. in a row, um, I'm very anti-war. I mean, the reason why we got into, you know, World War Two, the atrocities that, you know, Germany was doing is awful and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of the same thing with um, when you guys were talking about like Joker and Dark Knight Rises with the theater shooting and stuff like that mm-hmm. um it's something you can still enjoy the movie for what it is yeah. even though there's horrible things that are around it yes. and so i just wanted to you know point out that even though this is my favorite movie i don't think war is overall you know a great thing and um 
yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but you know what I, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. I mean, my favorite movie is The Social Network. Facebook's stupid. Mark Zuckerberg's terrible. Yeah. It's not like you're, you're, you are not celebrating it because you're like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want more people to experience. No, you're, it's because it, it is a, it is a piece of, um, for lack of a better word, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a story. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, My favorite movies are Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Back to the Future. So that that is. But no you way to watch Jaws these. because you support the shark. I yeah. fucking love more, sharks. You want more tourists eaten? <laughs> yeah, honestly, the way people treat sharks, we should be eaten by them. Okay, don't cut their fins off. Full stop. I agree with that. As I remember correctly, in Jaws. Didn't they very much warn, hey, there's a shark in there. No. Don't go to the beach. And then people just didn't listen. No. So that's on them. The mayor told everyone it was okay to swim. Mm. But anyway. Oh. So don't trust politicians is basically mm-hmm. what the moral of Jaws is. Amen. Uh, Thank so, you, Stephen. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. Um, As it should have been. And it won five for... Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, Best Editing, and Best Director. Uh, Mm. It did not win Best Original Score, Best Makeup, Best Art Direction, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor for Tom Hanks, or most notably Best Picture, which it lost to Shakespeare in Love. No way. In Harvey Weinstein's greatest feat of Academy <laughs> Award buying off. Oh. Wow. <laughs> what in the Gwyneth Paltrow was in that movie is this? <laughs> Listen, is that all you know I, about it? Yeah, that is. I, I never, I just know. Yeah, me either. Gwyneth and her vagina scented candles. Oh, speaking of which. Uh, I don't I, like that transition. Wait a second. Oof. Anna and I were walking. Uh, and in our neighborhood, somebody had moved, I guess, and they put a bunch of trash out on the sidewalk. And mm-hmm. there was a toaster oven that we were both looking at. We have a toaster oven, but we, it was interesting that there was a toaster oven in there. And in that toaster oven, there was a basically brand new hydro flask that Anna took. And like oh, a, yeah. one of the like 20 ounce ones, one of the really big nice. ones. And then also what I am drinking from right now, my beautiful brand new goop water bottle. Oh, not wow. the goop water bottle. Yes, the goop water bottle. It oh. smells like metal, fortunately. I thought for sure you were going to say that there's one of those jade egg things that <laughs> no, she sells no. from goop in there. I'm like, hmm, what an interesting combination of items to have in a toaster oven. Damn, be careful. You never know whose vagina that was in. Oh, I just took a sip. <laughs> I know, that's why I had to say it. Ew. That's actually a really cool and fun find. Right? Honestly. That is cool. And I got the better end of the deal with the big hydro flask, too. Because it's like, it's really nice. I don't know. You own goop now, so that's like a flex that you're wealthy. I can't I can't see you from my mountain of of money that I stand upon. <laughs> Literally. What the gold you coins I Scrooge Majak. <laughs> God. I swim through. It's yeah, like you uh, only eat one leaf for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you're telling everyone that it's the only way to live. I mean, look, at you've seen my body. I have. You and Shredded. Gwyneth twins. Yes. Um, 
let's stop talking about this and start <laughs> talking about the movie. So Silent. it starts off and we are in a cemetery, a, a veteran cemetery. Um, and we follow an elderly man and his family, including his dumbass son, who's just taking pictures. <laughs> Gage said the same thing. He's like, there's no way that man belongs in that family. He married in and nobody here likes him. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. As, as this clearly emotional elderly man is ambling towards a grave to pay his respects mm. and the son is like let me take a family photo oh my god not in the damn cemetery oh. uh, so the man comes to a specific grave and he becomes overcome with emotion starts crying uh, and then we flash back to 1944 uh, just off the shores of the beaches of Normandy um, and we are on a Landing boat with a bunch of soldiers, including Captain John H. Miller, played by Tom Hanks. Um, King. And the mood on this boat and the numerous surrounding boats can only be described um, as solemn, dour, anticipatory. I would also say yucky because a lot of people threw up. A lot of puking off that boat. Mm -hmm. And in the boat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Did not love that. I, this movie taught me one thing. And it's that if I was in the army, your girl wouldn't last. I would be like, one person throws up on me because they got seasick. I'm outie. I'm going to beg. I'm going to be like, please. Give me a desk job. I can't do this. (laughs) It's so funny you say that, Anna, because I have in my notes later on when we meet the interpreter, I said, I'm this guy if I ever go to war. (laughs) See? Because he has no, no reason to be out on this mission. And I'm just like watching through. I'm like, yeah, that would be me. Mm-hmm. The whole time. Yeah. Speaking of the interpreter, he has a uh, typewriter. Do we think Tom Hanks stole that typewriter for his personal typewriter collection from the set? I'm going to say that it was from Tom Hanks' personal typewriter collection, Probably. and he donated it to production. Oh, I think he took it back. He was like, yo, give me the old typewriter back when we're done with this scene. The <laughs> second it's done. He saw it fall out of the suitcase. He had it just mm-hmm. flipped. Uh, So the the next half hour of the film is the D-Day landing. Um, And I could run through it beat by beat and we will talk about about a lot of the beats, but Mm -hmm. it is it's the D-Day landing. It is what you think it is but 10 times more gruesome than what you could imagine because that's what really happened. I Um, did have to close my eyes quite a bit and mm -hmm. I decreed a no eating during this movie law. There is bodies getting blown apart, people getting shot through their helmets in the head, people getting shot in the helmet, checking their helmet and then getting shot Mm -hmm. in the head when they take off their helmet. Yeah. Um, there are people hiding behind the boat stopping. Are those land? I don't know what those are. 
called, but the boat stopping things. Yeah, um, I had no spikes. idea what those were. I am yeah. not a history buff. I'll put it to you this way. When I was little, I did like history, but I only liked the Titanic. <laughs> um, I was also fascinated by the Civil War. Okay. But I think that's more so because I was fascinated by the fact that people would like sit on hills and watch the battles. But Fair. then I went to a reenactment and they showed somebody getting their fake leg amputated and I um, immediately changed my interests. So I don't know anything about the war specific stuff for this movie. So I'm sorry if I sound stupid. I'm not stupid. I just don't know. It is. It's a okay. You could always just go and I assume your dad is one of the World War II people who only reads books about World War II. Nay, nay. He oh, also no. loves a good serial killer. Okay. Mm. A modern man. He is a mo- he's a renaissance man, truly. Um, he also loves ghosts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't read political books, so that's it. Um, so on the beach, we, we follow Tom Hanks as he slowly and deliberately as bodies get blown apart and destroyed and people shot as they work their way up from the landing on in the water, uh, all the way up to actually taking the beach, um, there on Omaha beach. And I, I just wanted to say that I think I mean, I don't know how else you would have stormed the beach, but like when they opened up the flap on the boat and the machine guns are just mowing down people, mm-hmm. like that's a pretty like narrow slot. Narrow like, passageway, right? Yeah, it's a narrow passageway. Like how what, what did they expect? Like all the people in the front of the boat just got mowed down. Mm-hmm. Like there had to have been like a, like maybe turn the boat around and then get out into the water and then like go around the boat or something. But um, yeah, I thought that was very impractical. And um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for to lis- for listening to our military tactician podcast. Uh, next week we will talk about how to turn boats. Uh, but no, I I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, could they have turned because to compare this to a situation in my life, when I'm getting sunburned by the beat at the beach because the sun has started to shift and my beach tent is no longer putting me in the shade, I at simply the beach tent. rotate my tent so I am back mm-hmm. in the shade again. Could they have turned the boat 90 degrees to let the men out? I think mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty difficult to do with a boat. I mean... Maybe, but like the shot that they have is like literally over the guy's shoulder with the machine gun, and it's a straight mm-hmm. shot down. I don't know, man. I like, think I don't know. Deep breath thought. Well, I'm Deep thinking, and I don't want to say it because I feel like it's so negative. <laughs> I feel like a lot of times in things like that, the army or any sort of military, God, FBI, don't come for me. Like bullet fodder almost. Yeah. A little bit. Like they expect yeah. to just lose some people and they don't necessarily pick certain people to put at the front, but they know that the people who are at the front are most likely going to get killed. And that's just how it is. And it sucks. But 
And I hate to say that because obviously I don't want that to be true, but that's the way it looked to me is like, Mm -hmm. okay, some of you, what is it? The Shrek line. Some of you will die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. Yeah. Yeah. Dwight Eisenhower is rolling in his golf course grave right now. Sorry, Dwight. No, you're not. I I just don't. I think <laughs> we should all just be nice to each other and not fight, but that's me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. So Miller and his platoon, um, they assemble on a sandbar and they break their way through uh, into the nearest concrete bunker. Um, or they are making their way into the concrete bunker. Uh, and he has one of his snipers private daniel jackson played by barry pepper um he was good i liked him yeah and he he, i liked him too yeah he runs into the fire zone takes out the men in the machine gun nest with his sniper shots um which allows the men to get behind the bunker where a soldier with a flamethrower sets the bunker ablaze lord it's I it's just difficult to because I in a lot of movies you picture yourself in the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be anybody in this situation. No, I would. I could probably be. I mean, it was the forties, so I realistically would have been one of the children. typers or at home with my twenty-five children. <laughs> Duh. At least the dresses were cute. Dang. <laughs> I literally watching this movie when they started showing the stenographers I was like how did they get their hair to look like that every day because I barely have the strength to put my hair in a ponytail some days you think that hair was coming down no they probably I think they wrapped it up and went to bed like that yeah that hair stayed like that for a month glue it up girl glue it up uh, so the Miller's men uh, are able to get into the trenches behind the bunker um, where Vin Diesel commits a war crime um, by what, murdering too- a already surrendered soldier. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Vin. Yeah, when there's the, the German soldier who's yelling with his mm-hmm. hands up and then Vin Diesel shoots him. Um, Vin. That's a war crime. Oh, no. Well, he dies, so. Yeah. Vin was I... phenom in this movie. He was. Um, but for as gruesome and as bloody and as, like, horrifying as some of the scenes are in this movie, mm-hmm. there is surprisingly a lot of humor in this movie, too. Yes. There is. Maybe... I was kind of surprised that I found myself chuckling. Yeah, if you listen to some of the lines, like... Um, I mean, just running through a couple while they're, while they're on the beach, like while people are, like you said, getting blown up. There's a dude looking for his arm that gets blown off. Um, Tom Hanks is dragging a guy with half his body. Um, but like one of the quotes is like, "What's the rallying point? Anywhere but here." Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's that's helpful. Or um, um, if your mother saw you do that, she'd be upset. I thought you were my mother. <laughs> like this is the middle of one of the biggest like bloodiest days in American mm-hmm. history 
yet they're cracking jokes. And they did this through the whole entire movie. Yeah. And, like, it kind of shows you that, like, just how resilient people can be in really stressful situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's, like, writing and it's a script and stuff like that, but I think it's, like, a really well done. And yeah. another point that we didn't really um, touch on too much, but it comes back later on in the movie as well, is when the sound goes quiet, mm-hmm. when um, Captain Miller's on the beach and he's looking around and it's just quiet and, you know, it's like you can really feel the emotion of the shell shock that he's in. He's, like, just surveying everything going on and all this, like, awful stuff. And then he, like, snaps back into it and then he's able to lead his battalion. Um, yeah. And, like, another through line of the movie is a shaky hand. Yes. Which mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, a really cool character touch that really makes it seem like he's actually in the situation, which I thought was also um, like a really cool little thing to put on top of his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Uh, so once they get a handle um, on the beach, at some of Miller's men, including Vin Diesel, he finds a Hitler youth knife. And he gives it to his friend, uh, played by Adam Goldberg, um, who mm-hmm. begins to sob. Uh, and Horvath collects a jar of dirt in a small metal can, marks France, and puts it in his sack alongside cans for Italy and Africa. Um, and he says that the beach commands quite a view. And then we pan over it, and there are thousands of dead and wounded soldiers, um, including one with a backpack that has the name s ryan on it um and then if you guys had to guess the actual real numbers of the d-day invasion how many american soldiers do you think perished in that invasion oh god i'm sure i know i don't want to spoil it um what would you say anna it all comes down to me huh I, yeah, I looked it up, too, because I was curious. Now, I know I learned this when I was in high school or something. Don't make fun of me. I'm going to do my best. Who here It's a would pretty make wide range. This seems high, but I'm going to say it because this is such a bloody day, so nobody laugh at me. 20,000. There's... Um, You're actually not that far off. All right, pop off history queen. Here we go. Uh, What's the answer? From what I remember, there were 10,000 casualties, including Mm -hmm. the wounded and 4,000 dead. Mm -hmm. So what I saw based on, again, I don't remember what website estimate, it was between 5,000 and Mm 12,000. Now that might have been injuries that led to casualties later on because mm-hmm. um, the paramedics or medics in this time period weren't necessarily the greatest at helping people that were have bullet wounds like there's a point yeah. later on in the movie with um he the medic asked the guy to smell a dude's leg to see if it smelled like cheese yeah. well, that part <laughs> foul i was horrified Another reason why I wouldn't be able to make it in the military. They'd ask me to smell something, and I would immediately vomit. In the army, that's what they call a Wisconsin hello. Oh, God. 
Uh, so we are back at the War Department in the U.S. where we see the row of Annas. I'm sorry, secretaries. Uh, yes. Type it up. I mean, mean uh, a past life. Condolence letters to families. Um, and one of these letters is brought to the attention of General Marshall uh, because there were there are four of the Ryan brothers who are in the army, and three of them have died. So they're going to send three letters uh, to this mother. One is already inconceivable, but getting a letter, getting three separate letters saying that your sons have died at war is an insane toll to bear. Uh, and they want to ensure that she doesn't get a fourth. So they say yeah. that they're going to send a mission to save the last private Ryan. Ugh, it made me so sad. I mean, the idea of, like they said, just even losing one kid is devastating. And, like, yeah. it looks like she didn't have a husband or, like, any siblings that were around. So it really was just her and her kids. Mm-hmm. It's, ugh, sad. Uh, so, back in Normandy, after, three days later, um, Tom Hanks gets his new orders from Dennis Farina to take the squad into Normandy and find Private James Francis Ryan of Iowa and bring him back so he could be sent to the U.S. Uh, I had one other thing before we move on to that part. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where they show the mother and she's washing the dishes and she's looking out the window and she sees a car coming. Mm-hmm. I said she must not get very many visitors because she immediately like starts breaking down when she sees a car coming her way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, she lives in the middle of Bufu, so I can't say I'm surprised that she's breaking down. Plus, like, she made probably... More sense... sorry, it made more sense when the general gets to her, and, like, there's a priest there. Like, that makes sense then. Yeah. yeah. But, like, she immediately is super sus about this car that's coming down the road towards her. What if that's how she greets every car? She always she cries. She just starts weeping. No. I bet she probably knew. Like, she probably had heard that if you see whatever certain kind of car it is mm-hmm. that something bad you're bad gonna get some bad coming. news because i feel like you would have heard from the moms of other sons that oh they found out because the mm-hmm. army drove to their exact house and blah 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 exact house drove to their house and told them and blah 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 so i feel like that's not so unexpected mm-hmm. um so, Tom Hanks grabs Corporal Timothy Upham um, to act as the translator for his group because the previous translator has died. Um, and then he and his men set out on the French countryside um, to save Private Ryan. Or to put in... This is the- another... Oh, sorry. Oh, this is another yeah. moment where... Um- Another like humorous moment where the interpreter asks, "Can I bring my typewriter?" And then Tom there Hanks just holds up a bullet and just like, "All right, okay." Yeah. Like just another like little little funny moment in this movie. Yeah, I feel like Tom Hanks is incapable of not being at least a little goofy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's and- part of why I love him. He's he's such a dad. He's gonna bring some good energy. Yeah, and, and all the humor in this movie, it's not like yuck yuck humor it's all very yeah. dry oh very yeah. dry yeah which I is mean, my favorite kind of humor so <laughs> uh, you have to be serious when you're in this 
rough of a situation. Mm. And I mean, there's going to be times where it's okay to joke around, but you can't be making fucking knee slapper jokes. Well, then White Christmas lied to me. White Christmas. (laughs) Oh, White Christmas. Uh, So as the squad sets out, they start talking um, and up um, finds that the rest of the group is unfriendly and insulting to him. Um, Especially Vin Diesel and um, Adam Goldberg. Uh, But then Erwin Wade, who is the squad's medic, played by Phoebe's brother, Giovanni Ribisi, um, asks him about the book that he's planning on writing, um, about the bonds of friendship between soldiers, and then Edward Burns, who plays Richard Reben, who is a hothead private from Brooklyn. He questions the mission, and they're all like, why do we gotta go save this guy? Why is his one life worth millions of other men why is his life worth any more than anyone else's men um which kind of is the central question that Mm -hmm. private ryan has himself once we meet him Mm -hmm. um he in fact says that almost word for word they're just trying to do a good deed man that's Mm -hmm. all that's how i interpreted it uh so then the, the squad arrives at a small French village where the army and the German forces are at a standstill. standstill. And uh, Tom Hanks asks the nearest sergeant if Private Ryan is there. He's not. Uh, but in an attempt to get information from the army unit on the other side of town, they send a runner across the battlefield and he is shot immediately. Mm. Uh, they then cross the town via some side roads and come across a French family trying to escape their home, but they're trapped in the crossfire. Oh. Um, in this, the father of the family insists that the squad take the youngest daughter to safety. Um, Tom Hanks says, no, we can't take her. But then Vin Diesel um, steps out from cover to try and take her against orders. And in doing so, he gets shot in the chest by the sniper mm. and falls in the middle, in the open, where he is functionally dead meat. Vin Diesel is nothing if not a family man. Because he did say, yeah, like, he reminds me of my niece. Mm-hmm. And my family. as a uncle of, uh, uh, as an uncle of a niece, does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Having a niece myself. <laughs> there you go. I can, I can understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, he was a little dumb because what did he expect to carry this child to the nearest town in yeah. the middle of a war he zone? Was, but. He was thinking with his heart, not with his head, in true Vin Diesel fashion, thinking about family. The amount of, he I'm sorry, I could One quarter not. mile at a time. Oh my God. <laughs> oh. Uh, so Barry Pepper finds the sniper in the bell tower and um, takes cover behind some rubble, shoots the sniper just before he is about to shoot Vin Diesel, but oh. Vin Diesel dies anyway, having bled to death. That part had me scope stressed. Too. Yeah. yeah, the scope. That was kind of a cool shot. Like, that was a good shot. Mm-hmm. That scene had me stressed, man. Stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if that scene had you stressed, <laughs> guess what? The had me stressed. There's two more hours of the again. movie. Hot dog. <laughs> uh, so... 
uh, Wade receives a letter from Compazzo's body uh, that he had been writing to send to his father. Uh, Crying. So then in another part of the village, um, the soldiers sit down in a bombed building to rest. Um, and one of uh, when the sergeant sits down, he knocks over a weakened brick wall. Um, oh, my God. Built wall in the world. Right. OK, this was a little bit of a yuck, yuck chuckle for me. Just a little oh. bit. I was like, ah, you know, he the scene the where, Han, where Han Solo is running down the corridors of the Death Star and he comes upon the group of stormtroopers at the end of the mm-hmm. hall. That's kind of what this felt like. Mm hmm. This reminded me of that TikTok sound that's Weird Al um, from Trapped in the Drive-Thru. He looked at me, and I looked at him, <laughs> and he looked at me. That's what I was thinking of when I saw this. Uh, so the wall falls down. A squad of German soldiers are in there, um, and they are yelling at each other to put down their weapons as they are shooting at each other. Um, and the imp- having a Mexican standoff in the middle of mm-hmm. France. Europe. Yeah. In France, yeah. Uh, he looks at me. <laughs> and then, um, unexpectedly, machine gun fire comes down and the Germans are cut down by Ted Danson. Thank you, Ted. Looking like a silver daddy in this part of the movie. I was shooketh. I said, okay, Whoopi, I see what you were thinking. <laughs> He's who? Uh, Mary Steenburgen is his mm-hmm. wife. That's his current wife, yes. But yeah. he did have a thing with Whoopi Goldberg for a very long time. Yes. Um, Which is the weirdest to me, because I definitely thought Whoopi Goldberg was a lesbian. But I thought she was, too, honestly. Maybe she is now. I don't know. More power to her. Yeah. Just do your thing, Whoopi, I guess. Do what, you, do what makes you happy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> She's listening. Uh, Tom Hanks asks him if there's a private James F. Ryan in this unit. He says there is one, and he is brought to him. Uh, This is Private James F. Ryan, and he gets told that his brothers have been killed, um, and he breaks down immediately, starts sobbing, and he's like, how? They're still in grade school. Um, And then we learn this is not James Francis Ryan. This is James Frederick Ryan from Minnesota. And then... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I knew that Matt Damon was playing Private Ryan, but I still mm-hmm. went, now I know that's not the right one. We are only an hour into this movie. <laughs> and also, and then afterwards, Tom Hanks is like, basically rolls his eyes and is like, your brothers mm-hmm. are fine. While Nathan Fillion is left there to be like, well, so there's... T- they're alive? How do you know they're alive now? Now he uh, needs to prove they're alive. So much is going I want to go home. Soldier. Yeah, right? <laughs> they put him through the ringer on this one. Truly. Yeah. Uh, so they find out that there's another private being treated for a leg, ru- leg wound from the 101st Legion. Um, mm-hmm. And the squad learns that the Airborne's rallying point is nearby. And that's where this Ryan may be. So then they spent a few hours resting in the church. Wade rewrites the letter from Vin Diesel to send to his father. Uh, Horvath and Miller talk about how many men Miller has lost under his command. Was that what he was doing? He was writing the letter again? Yeah. Yeah, because it was bloodstained. I completely missed that. 
Oh he yeah, he was yeah. trying to be a good friend and send oh, that's to cool. his dad. I completely miss out all the times I watched it. <laughs> okay, interesting. The more you know. Uh, so then, Miller accepts that Miller's reasoning is that men die in combat for the greater good, which is why he can accept, for lack of a better word, the the deaths of the men under his command. Not as though they don't hit him, though. <sighs> Anna seems like she has a disagreement with this opinion. I just think nobody should have to die before their time. That's just that's just mm. where I'm at today. Well, it's kind of a, 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 a tough opinion to have in a war movie. And in war! I'm sorry. I just was having some thoughts. Uh, so then they, the, the group tries to figure out what Miller's occupation was before the war mm-hmm. began. Uh, and they come to an, a silent agreement that once the pool, this betting pool is big enough, Miller will tell them the answer. <laughs> uh, so then the, the squad then arrive at a rally point near a wrecked troop glider, which is filled with dozens of wounded GIs, including the pilot who tells them he doesn't know where to find Private Ryan. Uh, The glider went down after being towed because the steel plates had been welded to the underside to protect a general he was transporting, which made it too heavy to fly, and the glider crashed, and it killed the general. That part was pretty sad, too. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of other people, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then this is kind of a cracked mirror of taking all this effort to protect one single man, which is what Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks and his squadron are currently doing. Yeah. (sighs) But this is different. (laughs) Uh, So then the pilot gives Miller a bag of dog tags from dead soldiers, and Miller has his men go looking for Private Ryan. Uh, And they do so while men from Army Airborne units march by, and then... Miller concludes that Ryan isn't among them, and then he begins to question the passing soldiers and asks if any of them know where Ryan is. And one of the men, who is from Ryan's unit, has lost his hearing from a grenade blast, so he yells his answers to him. A little bit funny. In a dark yeah, way. In a, in a d- very dark way. It is a little bit humorous that he can't hear what he's saying, and they have to write it down, and yeah. Yeah, cause, and he yells his answers back because he has no mm. concept of volume control now. Yeah. Oh, God um, bless him. So Ryan has been assigned to a unit that's guarding a bridge in the nearby village of Ramel. And Miller figures out the bridge is of vital importance and the ger- to the army and the Germans because it will allow either to drive their tanks across the water. Otherwise, um, I don't know if you know this, but tanks... And water don't typically mix. Wow, thanks, Dan. I had no idea. Unless you're a duck from the Wisconsin Dells, in which case <laughs> motor vehicles and water do mix. Yes, the Dells. Yes, I went the on a, ducks. I went on a duck tour in the Dells, and the only thing I remember, I don't remember any of the views or anything like that, but the driver pointed out some chicken wire that was on the side of a pretty 
sheer drop off that we were driving next to. And he was like, I bet you're wondering what kind of protection we have so that we don't fall off this cliff. Well, you see that chicken wire over there. I bet you're thinking, how can that stop something like this? If it can stop a chicken, it can stop a duck. Are you kidding me? Awful. There was 45 minutes left before we could get off. Oof. Uh, So, squad, they set out again. And they spot two GIs in a field. None of them are Ryan. Um, They spot a machine gun near a partially destroyed radar dish. Uh, and Miller says that they need to take out the Germans' position so that the next Allied unit won't be surprised and killed. Um, the squad does not want to follow through this plan, but he is their captain and he won't relent. Gives them assignments. Um, Upham is to stay behind the gear, behind with the gear, while the squad attacks the machine gun encampment. Um, and then once the skirmish is over and they have taken out the riflemen, um, Upham runs over with gear, and he sees that Wade has been shot several times in the lower chest and is bleeding to death. Um, and as they try to save his life, um, he says, I want to go home. And dies. Tragic. Yeah, that was a really, uh, obviously very hard-hitting point in the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the i forget what is the second in command behind tom hanks what is his name uh horvath yeah um when he was giving the morphine mm-hmm. you know he's looking like relent or uh reluctant to keep giving him morphine but it was just like that's just like the, the good thing to do you know mm-hmm. like this dude has bullet holes all through him and it just seemed like the, the the right thing to do, even though he seemed reluctant to do it. Yeah. And I thought that was like a little little touching. One of the things that I liked about this scene was, um, again, the really nice of this is I'm such a nerd. I'm sorry. Um, I liked the effect of like the blood still pouring through the bullet wounds and stuff. And you could see that they weren't like covering it with a hand or anything like you could just see it coming out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a nice touch. Um, I thought that was a, one of that was one of the special effects that I was thinking of when I said the special effects really hold up in this movie. Mm-hmm. I was thinking specifically of this scene. Um, yeah, it looks really clean and and his face is realistic. super pale too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it looks like the blood is like coming out, like flushed out of his body. Like he looks like he's bleeding out. Oh which yeah, is also a good touch. Yeah, they didn't miss anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing but the best from Steven, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they capture a German soldier, uh, and they start rushing around and just beating him up. Man, uh, F this guy. F him. And then Upham says that the prisoner, he's a prisoner, he just shouldn't be treated like a slave. Um, as, as they're making him dig the graves, um, Miller order, orders Upham to help the German. Um, mm-hmm. and then as, as he digs the graves, Miller sits off to the side, um, crying as his right hand shakes again. Um, and then he recovers his composure, returns to the squad. Um, and the rest of the squad want to kill the German 
except for Upham, um, who has somewhat befriended him while he's digging the graves. Um, yeah, gave him some water, gave him a smoke. Treated him as a human being. Yeah. He was using his wiles. He was. He um, was, and so I'm salty about it. Yeah, and then the German, he's begging for his life. He says he loves America. He says, fuck Hitler, um, which is something with we all can point. agree with. Mm-hmm. And sings the national anthem's first line like three, four times. Yeah. He was doing his best, or was he? Yeah. Uh, and the men, everybody's moved, and they're unmoved. I'm sorry. They're not moved at all. They're ready to kill him. Uh, Miller intervenes, and then he blindfolds the Germans and lets the man walk off and, and tells him to walk uh, to the next allied unit and surrender. Um, and then Reben is offended by the compassion and says that he's going to desert. The mission has already gotten two of them killed. Don't need to get any more of them killed. Um, mm-hmm. And Horvath then orders Reben to fall into formation, threatens to shoot him. They all start to argue, and then Tom Hanks asks what the total of the pool is, and hearing that it's enough, he says that he was a school teacher in Pennsylvania. Mm. Um, and Which the first time I watched this movie, like, that reveal mm-hmm. shook the 13, 14-year-old Austin to his bones. Really? Why? Because it just seems like, I mean, he had the shaky hand, so, you know, he's not like a career soldier or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But he goes on within this conversation to say he's, you know, worried about his wife and worried if he's changed being in this war and seeing all these atrocities and, you know, having men underneath him get killed. Mm-hmm. It was just like... Another one of those things where I was thinking, you know, you were saying earlier in this episode that what would happen if I was in this situation? And, you know, we've all had an English school teacher at some point. And so just kind of like thinking about my high school English teacher, like getting put in this kind of position, he would have not done very well. And like this would have been right around the same time that, you know, I would have been in high school. Mm-hmm. So it was just a really interesting juxtaposition between where he's at now and where he is in his past life, basically. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool um, career choice or, you know, the cool payoff to the running pool thing that they've had throughout Mm -hmm. this whole movie. Yeah. Also because Tom Hanks' character, he he seems like the I'm military back. like he follows mm-hmm. he's given orders he follows his orders um he is stern he is not shown to be loving or anything like that and then hearing that he is a school teacher is just out of the blue like yeah not something that anybody would have predicted like oh wow he war changes people mm-hmm um Anna, are you there? Yeah, my internet cut out, and I paid it, so I know it's not on me. <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. I don't know what happened. I was wondering, and I picked up my phone, and then it, on my phone it said the same thing. Wi-Fi does not appear to be connected to the internet. It's the Germans. Yeah, so 
Well, everything seems to be working now. I'm back, so no um, one can stop me. It's because so, of what I said about the military earlier. <laughs> you said FBI don't hate me, and they immediately perked <laughs> up, and they're like, hmm, time to fight back. They I guess said, it, would, it would be the CIA in uh, this case. They said, cut her internet. Get Spectrum on the horn. Um, <sighs> so the squad approach Rommel, and they spot a German track. And then they take cover, and then it's hit by a bazooka, and everyone's confused about who's firing, uh, but then they move in and kill the Germans as they attempt to escape the vehicle, and... This part was a little confusing to me, too, because since they didn't know who was attacking, I also didn't know who was attacking, and I, I get easily confused. <laughs> so I was doing my best. So, a small group of soldiers emerge from their positions in the field, identify themselves as paratroopers from various airborne units, including Private James Ryan from Iowa. Mm-mm-mm. It's Matt Damon. He, Looking sexy good. Sexy Matt Damon in a field. Hell yeah. What more can a guy want? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That is the look of a man who does not know a dang thing about Bitcoin. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <sighs> Did anyone else get, like, Wizard of Oz vibes from the scene? Because it's like a group of people Mm -hmm. going on an adventure, trying to find this destination, and then they end up in a field of flowers. That's kind of cute. I never thought of it that way. I like that. Without the opium, but yeah. Oh, oh! (laughs) Well, there's morphine. (laughs) That's true. There There was morphine. Don't you worry, Dan. There's still drugs. This is like when um, Saving Private Ryan is like the one shot of the Scarecrow with the gun in the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> yes. but for three hours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in Ramel, Miller tells Ryan um, that they were sent here uh, and he has given a ticket home. But Ryan, he's devastated, but he still refuses to leave. It's his duty to stay. He's not going to abandon his men. Ryan says that his mother would understand um, that he wants to stay at the bridge with the only brothers he has left. Would um, she? Like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I know my she mother. Would. Yeah. She would yeah. not. My mom would be like, get your ass home before you die. <laughs> <laughs> but this Private Ryan is a stand-up dude. Mm-hmm. The other Private Ryan is a coward. <laughs> oh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, he, he thinks his, you know, brothers back home in grade school are dead and he wants to immediately leave the war, even though it's confirmed they're not gone. But this guy has confirmed uh, three of his brothers are died in combat and he still wants to fight mm-hmm. the good fight on the bridge. I like, think he's probably just very, like, not sure how to handle his feelings. Maybe. I think it, he it, just hates Iowa. <laughs> this was Honestly, a sick valid. Out. Um, so the, the, the vehicle that they destroyed a little earlier was a German probe to investigate the forces guarding the bridge. So they know that there's going to be a larger assault. Um, they walk through the streets of Rommel where there's rubble from destroyed buildings and they find, and they build a narrow choke point. Um, that will channel all the armor and the German troops into a bottleneck at the bridge, which will allow their unit to flank the Germans. Um, 
They improvise sticky bombs, which are socks stuffed with Composition B explosives mm. and coated with grease, uh, which I know, I don't know why, but Composition B coated with grease for some reason t- sounds like it tastes delicious. Ew, what? That sounds like when you go to the, like, to the diner and the the um, waiter has to give like the order to the line cook, but instead of saying like a burger, that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Composition B, coat with grease. Yep, exactly. That's a bacon yeah. burger. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, Upham is given the job of running ammunition between the machine gun positions. Um, that is his only job to be the runner. Um, he's got to be Johnny on the spot is the direct mm. quote, which I need to start saying more because Johnny on the spot is a great saying. That's big Dan energy, that saying. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. You're welcome. I can't believe you don't say that more because. I'm just always radiates. on time. Oh, I was just going to say it also just radiates Dan energy. Yeah. Well, I was saying I'm always on time, so I should be saying I'm not that. Not I'm on time. I'm Johnny on the spot. That's not really it, because Johnny on the spot is there right when you need him. I'm yeah. right mm-hmm. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> so, they wait for the Germans to arrive, listening to Edith Piaf. Bonus trivia question. What other movie uh, has a major thematic connection to Edith Piaf? Set in France. But not the movie about her, which is also set in France. Is it Bartok? Eat, pray, love. No. <laughs> Inception. Oh. It's I was going to say Bartok the Magnificent because his girlfriend is named Pilaf, and then I realized that you probably don't know what that is, do you? Uh, is it an anime? It's a spinoff of Anastasia about the little bat that hangs out with Rasputin. Isn't Pilaf bread? She's pink. Isn't that what the word for bread in the language? Rice pilaf? That's not bread. I know, rice pilaf. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. It's like a rice style. But it made me think of the character in Bartok the Magnificent. Which is better than Anastasia. Fight me. Wow. Having never seen either, I'm offended by that. That might be another inconclusion. <laughs> um, we might have to do that. Anastasia and Bartok. Let's see what new lows we can hit. Hey, fucking <laughs> Anastasia is actually a really good movie. Well, Anastasia, oh. I'm sure people will listen to, but with Bartok. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Haters, I grew up watching that movie. I did not give a fuck about Anastasia. I only messed with Bartok. Wow. I grew up you could have watching. a whole Rasputin like series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up watching Clock Stoppers. We're not watching Clock Stoppers. We're not cut from the same cloth, Dan. <laughs> uh, so, Upham's new comrades seem more accepting of him uh, while he translates the music, which he likes. Um, and they start recounting their own personal stories. Um, Brian says that he can't remember his brother's but then Miller tells him to think of a context. And then he tells the story of how he and his brothers nearly burned down their barn um, when they snuck up on their oldest brother, Danny, uh, who was trying to have sex with a girl in the <laughs> hayloft. Um, 
and he has the whitest teeth I've ever seen <laughs> on a person. <laughs> like they were glistening. They were very bright. Very bright. Um, I didn't. There's one thing about the scene that I didn't like, and uh, it was the story about the boobs. It felt. Mm. It maybe it's because I'm a lady, and I would never tell a man when you're over there you think about these. <laughs> like I just never would. I. I I maybe that's because it's 2022. You know, I'm not Maybe. out here assuming a man cares about. And if I, oh, he's talking about getting a boner at the at his mom's store while the woman's. Oh, absolutely not. I was uncomfortable with that. And are you telling exchange. me you're not gonna you're not gonna find the next shipping out soldier? And as he's leaving, just lift up your shirt and go. Remember these. <laughs> this is what you're fighting for. <laughs> No! You can't remember the titans. Remember the titties. That's, Amen. That's the Dang. <laughs> no, um, I'm not going to flash my tits to anyone anytime soon. I I don't have the energy or the strength to do so. Well, don't worry, dear listeners. 50% of the regular In Conclusion hosts will. <laughs> Dan. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so... Ryan, Matt Damon realizes that that was the last time that he and his brothers were all together. Um, which is a sad button to put on that story. Yeah. They mm. were having a great time till they weren't. You described war. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, so, the ground begins to rumble. The German column has arrived. Uh, and then the fight in Rommel begins. Um, everybody is ordered to their positions. Um, Reben acts as the rabbit to lure the Germans into town. Uh, one of the tanks proceeds down the main street and one of the soldiers attempts to plant a sticky bomb on it, but he waits too long and a bomb blows up, which kills him. Um, the German troops that follow the tank are cut down by the soldiers and mines on the side. Uh, Two men eventually place bombs on the wheels of the tank, which blast its tread apart, which brings it to a halt. Um, and then they advance on the tank to take out its crew, but they're fired upon by a small German squad with a cannon that brutally takes out several more men. Um, and then Miller's squad opens fire uh, and shifts position several times during the battle. Even though they took the Germans by surprise, several of the men are killed. Um, Jackson is discovered in his perch and he's hit by tank fire. Uh, Mellish and Corporal Henderson are, um, they are manning a 30 caliber machine gun to cut off any action by the Germans. Um, but he is killed, uh, by a German soldier and then Mellish is attacked and over, it gets overpowered in hand to hand combat. And then this German soldier slowly drives his bayonet into Mellish's chest. Oh, I hated this scene. I thought it was the Hitler Youth dagger. Was it not? I thought it, it says was it's too. His bayonet, but it could be. Okay. Yeah. I think you know it, it's a little bit more. Ooh, yikes! If it's the Hitler Youth dagger, you that, know what I'm that saying? That is adding some that real dramatic irony. Adding that spoice. Mm -hmm. So let's say uh, it is. So. 
Right. Outside the room, Upham is sitting frozen with terror, uh, unable to rescue Mellish. Uh, and I saw myself in film for the first oh. time that day, Gage seized with so terror, pissed. unable to help. Dan, I That's want you I'm to know, saying. Gage was so pissed. He's like, why is he helping him? I was like, dang, okay. I didn't I'm sorry that Gage is an alpha male. I, I didn't realize betas. he was. I didn't realize I was dating an alpha male. I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, in that situation, I definitely think I would have ran up the the stairs to help out. But I mean, I can definitely understand the paralyzed with fear mm-hmm. being in that situation, you know, gunfire going all around. Again, I don't know what I would do in a situation and yeah. hopefully I'll never have to find out. Mm-hmm. But I would hope that I would have been able to go up and help in that situation. But yeah, that was a really heartbreaking yeah. scene. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I would also want to go up to help, but I genuinely think I would be having a meltdown. So I, I don't yeah. think it would happen for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, all of us hope that we would be the person to to try and put ourselves on the line to save somebody, especially somebody that we're close with, uh, mm-hmm. that we have bonded with. But like, mm-hmm. Hopefully we never have to find out. Hopefully yep. we are never yeah. in that situation. But I just know from my previous life experience, my fight or flight uh, reaction is flight or flight faster. Amen. So. <laughs> Amen. Mine's flight or cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the German soldier kills Mellish, marches out indifferent towards Upham. Um and then Reben is able to flank the cannon and takes out the operators. Sergeant Horvath gets wounded when he and another sh- soldier corner each other. Uh, they chuck their helmets at each other and then shoot each other with the pistols. Uh, the German soldier gets killed. Horvath gets injured. He grabs up them and they retreat when Miller orders everyone to cross the bridge to their Alamo position, uh, which is a clever place to wage your last stand. Gasp. Mm-hmm. You either call it the Alamo position or Custer's last stand, but the Alamo position is a lot less racist. And also a lot less words, too. What do you mean? Alamo, Custer's last stand? They both <laughs> roll off the tongue so easily. Yup. <laughs> uh, so, the surviving 60-tongue tire tank follows them, uh, which is unstoppable despite Horvath shooting several bazookas at it. Oh my god. I I have a question for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why was Tom Hanks shooting at the uh, tank with just a little pistol? It's not going to do anything. What else could he do? I guess. It's just, just like... I think it's just like fighting with your dying breath, give it all you got. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just kind of the mentality that he's had. Mm kind of so far in this film like you know mm-hmm. it, even though he's not really able to give anything anymore yeah okay. he's just giving everything he can for the cause okay I just wanted to touch base because I was watching it yeah. and I was like this is this is a little silly Tom I just maybe <laughs> I would have just laid down and let the tank roll over me but I also Again, for the millionth time this episode, not cut out for war, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the tank, especially the way that it is like shot with the smoke covering it in the distance, 
Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of the Terminator at the end of the first Terminator movie. Oh, it is just like it is. It has been beaten down, but it is unstoppable and is still chasing after Linda Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, the tank is a Terminator and they don't know how to stop it. Um, so they are doing everything they can to try and stop it. Um, and Miller is shot in the chest by the German soldier who he freed from the radar station. Hate it. Really? Same soldier. How did I miss that all the times <laughs> I've watched this movie? I'm so glad you're giving me the play-by-play synopsis because I completely missed that part. You learned so and much. And that's, that's the same soldier that came down the stairway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it is... A, a different soldier than the one who killed Adam Goldberg. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oops, I Those are two different up. ones. Because I thought it was always the same soldier that came down the stairway was the one that hit. No. I did too. There, there were multiple German soldiers in World War Two, hmm. And <laughs> the film was accurate in that aspect. Yeah. Sounds I mean, fake, they just Dan. looked very they just look very very similar. Yeah, they looked like German soldiers, so it's yeah. really easy to get them confused. Yeah. yeah. Um So Upham witnesses the shooting as he's hiding behind a pile of rubble. Um and Miller falls down, he can't move. He pulls out his pistol and he just shoots at the tank. Uh, yes. As it starts to cross the bridge. Um, and then after his fourth shot, the tank explodes. Yes. Uh, and he's like, what the hell? And then the planes, like the eagles in the Lord of the Rings, the planes fly in. Um, they have bombed the the enemy. Uh, it is P-51 Mustang fighters. Uh, they bombed the tank and several of the targets. Reben and Ryan rush to Miller's side and call for a medic. Um, and Upham, who is still on the other side of the bridge, um, was undetected by the enemy squad. He reveals himself and takes the entire squad prisoner. Um, the man who shot Miller recognizes Upham and calls him by his name. And then after a second pause, uh, Upham kills him. Interesting. Mm. Which, there are moral questions about that, but the the movie yeah. frames it as a heroic move. Mm-hmm. Classic. Which is a I way to view it. always have thought, I mean, this is now, what, 13 years I've been watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that the soldier that came down the stairway that spared him, uh-huh. he flipped on him then and then shot him. I never realized that that was the one they released at the satellite station. Mm-hmm. that's yeah. very interesting I remember just because like I said Gage was watching with me and he was the one who commented because I was like oh that guy's being a big dick and Gage is like yeah you want to know what makes him an even bigger dick <laughs> 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 so and the whole point part when um, the soldier spared um, up him it's mm-hmm. it's so I don't even think I would call it sparing. I think it was like judgment almost. Like he's like, yeah, fuck you, you're almost. weak and you're, you're not stupid. Even, and... You're not even worth me killing you. Yeah. yeah. 
You are so I can't do it. Life you're than max, you are in death. You are lo- you are worth less in life than in death. Yes. That's a yeah. Yeah, Sven. Yeah. Why are we not trying to take the bridge? Um. So, as Miller lays there, Ryan is talking to him. Uh, Miller calls the the tank buster Mustangs angels on our shoulders. Um, and he calls Ryan closer, and with his dying breath, he tells him to earn this. Um, and then in a voiceover, we hear General Marshall's voice reading a letter to Ryan's mother, uh, informing her that her son is returning home. And he quotes a passage from Lincoln's letter about the cost of war. Uh, and then we get I the gift of Matt Damon growing old. And then back at the cemetery in, uh, quote unquote, the present day, 24 years ago, um, <laughs> we see the grave that he was looking at was Captain Miller's grave. Um, and he tells him that he hopes he's lived up to his wish and that he's been worthy of everything that everyone sacrificed for him. Uh, he asks his wife to tell him that he's led a good life and that he's a good man. Um, and then he salutes Miller's grave and we see the American sun, not the American sun, the American flag. <laughs> the sun that shines only in America. It as we fade to the credits. And that is Saving Private Ryan. Ooh, the the ending it. scene has always bothered me. Thank you. Since I watched it the first time. And it's because it's not consistent. Because at the very beginning when they show the old man in the cemetery, his whole family rushes to his side at the foot of the gravestone. Yes. And then they show it later on at the end of the movie. They're all far behind him now. And he's the only one that's standing there. And then his wife comes up to him later. I think maybe they might have given him some space. Yeah, that's what I interpreted it as, too. Was they were like, okay, let's give... Let's give Gramps a little space yeah. here. Hey, kids, let me take your pictures while Grandpa <laughs> sobs over there. Get out of the way, Jeff. That's the wife. Um, I I do the uh, I'm not certain that the beginning and ending scenes, um, are truly they don't detract anything from the movie. I'm not sure that they no, add not at anything. all. The framing device isn't totally necessary. Um. But it is very Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Steven Spielberg, uh, if he loves one thing more than backlit scenes and a oneer, he loves sentimentality. And this is the perfect way to, to inject some sentimentality into the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like the American flag as the last shot. It feels like propaganda. I mean, if you look at it, this whole movie feels like propaganda. Yeah. I mean, yes. But that's just the extra propaganda on the propaganda cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so other than that, Anna, since this was your first time watching it, what were your thoughts? This really confirmed that maybe a war movie is not for me. Um <laughs> You know, we're going to go forward and try two more. Like I said, I watched this in high school, just the first scene. And mm-hmm. I remember not enjoying it because of all the gore. As an adult, yeah, it was gory, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. I'm still glad I didn't eat dinner while I was watching it because that wouldn't have sit right 
that ground beef wouldn't have sit right. Um, I think the story was really beautifully put together. I mean, I like Steven Spielberg. If you say you don't like Steven Spielberg, you're lying, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, his There's a reason why he's so famous and why his, his movies are so well-respected and looked up towards. And I don't think this is any exception. Uh, John Williams put his whole Willowsy into the music. You know <laughs> I want to have a John Williams-themed uh, wedding. I don't know if I ever told you that. Yes. Yeah. Maybe once or twice. Yeah, the only one I'm cutting from that is Schindler's List. That doesn't feel appropriate. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I mean, I really love John Williams. So the music was beautiful. Um, I really liked the framing there were a lot of really beautiful shots in this movie i just think war movies in general are not are never going to be my favorite i do like austin have you ever seen the movie overlord oh um it sounds super familiar is that also a world war ii mm-hmm. yeah it sounds really familiar i don't i could not tell you a single scene from it but i might have seen it at some point yeah uh, dan you would hate it it's about that's um, the zombie one isn't it yeah oh, king yes sort of they're not zombies they're like monsters so um it's it's about the experiments that german people or not german people the nazis were doing to people um during world war Two, and it like shows what it could have been like if they like had really discovered some it's like a a drama I, I don't even want to say dramatized because i don't i don't know it's it's a it's horror, a horror movie. movie it's a realistic fiction horror movie does that make sense <laughs> i really I like it but that's more my vibe because I like horror movies, which is weird because I never did for a really long time. But I like horror movies, so I really like that one. I don't love war movies just because I was never the kid who was interested in that kind of stuff growing up. But I can appreciate, usually when I watch a classic movie, I feel like I'm like, I don't get why this is so beloved. This one I get because people do feel like really strongly about World War II and World War II history and it does have a lot of celebrities in it that we like uh, strong actors not just like people that are popular today because they're popular today mm-hmm. um, the music's beautiful every shot is gorgeous and it holds up in all of the special effects fields so yeah it might not be my favorite genre but it, it is objectively a good movie and I can see that and look at it through that lens and appreciate it so mm-hmm. uh, austin intellectual of me um uh, very intellectual of you thank austin. you uh, on, on the other end of the spectrum having now watched this um oh, over three hands worth of times what are your yeah. thoughts um well i am so glad that you read through the synopsis of the movie because mm-hmm. Obviously, there are certain parts that I have missed all the times that I have watched this movie. And now I'm going to watch it next time and appreciate it in a different way than I have like since I first started watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I looked through it in a different lens than I usually do because usually it's just the kind of, you know, nostalgic, like I said, watching it with my dad. Um, you know, good memories, but, you know, taking notes this time and really trying to pay attention to the details of it, 
um, for this podcast, I gave me a new appreciation. Mm -hmm. Um, like I mentioned earlier on the parts where the sound goes silent and you can like really kind of put yourself in his shoes where it's just sensory overload. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, that was a really cool touch. The cinematography, the shaky camera made you really feel like you were in the trenches on that beach in the towns where things are getting blown up. Um, the special effects, like Anna mentioned earlier, I don't know how they did that D-Day scene. Mm -hmm. Um, if it was practical, if it was CGI, whatever, but it looked like you were on that beach. The people that were getting all these injuries, it looked realistic. Like it really, honestly, I think of all of the war movies I've seen, and I'm similar in Anna that is not my favorite genre. Like I prefaced at the beginning of this episode, mm -hmm. not a huge fan of war in general. Mm -hmm. It just so happens to be my favorite movie for, I guess, other reasons than the fact that it's a war movie. Um, but I think this is the most realistic war movie I've ever seen. Um, where other ones, like, I'm trying to think, like, the, um, I'm trying to even think of, like, another one that I can compare it to. But, like, it just feels very, very, very oh, realistic. Yeah, Dan, yeah, exactly. stop <laughs> inserting Cuba Gooding Jr. and your views about him into this podcast episode. Um. To to echo what you were saying about the shaky cam specifically, mm -hmm. I think that um, a lot of times, especially more recently, uh, shaky cam has been overdone, done to death even. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But it works. It, it, when it works, it works. And it works so mm -hmm. well here because it's putting you in the moment there is a reason why the camera will be shaking it's because mm -hmm. even the stuff that you can't see behind the camera to the side of the camera there are explosions going off there are mm -hmm. bombs there mm -hmm. are guns and you are right in the middle of it and it wants you spielberg wants you to feel like you're in that and this is mm -hmm. the, probably the best use of it that i've seen i would argue yes probably and a lot of the shaky cam that you see nowadays are you know blair wick project mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. What's the nowadays the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> well, you, you know what I mean. I do. You know yeah. what I, mean. no, I thought it was um, funny. Nowadays, you know, two thousand one, the current year. It's like more like found footage type yeah. deal. I'm yeah. trying to think of like the big monster movie that um, also kind of I want to say pioneered it. Cloverfield. Oh, what is that called? You're talking about Cloverfield. Yes, yes. thank you. Wait, oh, um, Cloverfield. So it's more like found footage, you know, shaky cam or yeah, the way that they do it now, you're right, is kind of overdone. It is kind of mm -hmm. overstated its welcome. But you're right, when they do it right, and in this instance, it if it wasn't shaky cam, I don't think it would be as good of a movie. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because it would just feel too withdrawn from what's actually going on. Too cinematic. Where the way that, too cinematic, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This, this puts you in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, I really wish I could have seen this in the theaters, or like you know, I'm sure they maybe do showings of it now mm -hmm. in the theaters. But like, I haven't seen it, but I really would like to at some point because I think that 
that theater experience with the big sound, um, you know, just on the big screen, I think it'd be a really interesting experience to go do. Now, I was two at the time when this movie came out, so <laughs> yep. it probably would not have been appropriate for me to go see. No. Um, but if, yeah, if I ever get a chance to, this would definitely be a movie where I would love to see it in a theater. Um, kind of similar to, like, The Avengers, where, mm-hmm. like, the first Avengers I went to go see was, um, you know, the first of the Avengers series. I was, like, mesmerized, because it's just, like, you kind of have to be in that big big sound to really like fully appreciate what's going on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it'd be interesting to see in the theater how i would feel opposed to just watching on a tv yeah mm-hmm. um what are your thoughts yeah damn. i mean i yeah okay my <laughs> thoughts i thought it was great um i said this before where I think that the truly great movies stand out where every scene feels like it could be its own short film. And if you took mm-hmm. it out, just shot, showed the one scene as a short film, it works perfectly. And then yeah. the fact that they all combine together to make something. And that is absolutely this movie. Every scene. Mm-hmm. Um, also because the scenes themselves are like 30 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's not hard to... This could be a mini series. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the the acting was great. Barry Pepper was so good. He's the the sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, having he was on my mind because I recently watched a movie where he played Roger Maris, um, who was a Yankees player in the sixties. Oh, that he was, oh. in, and that was also a really good movie. So I'm I'm big on the I'm a big pep head now. Not uh, the pep head. I want to eat some more pepper. Um, like yeah, all the acting was good. The cinematography was incredible. The music, as you said, fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Like the 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 overt rah rah America propaganda. One way to put it is is par for the course with something mm-hmm. like this. Uh, it's a war movie. It's either going to be pro or anti and. The anti-war movie was The Thin Red Line, which I haven't seen, but it was even longer. Um, but it, you get you you know what you're you're getting into when you watch something like mm. this, and it works. It, it's it, it's not. It, it, I'm not saying this is a pro-war movie. Um, no, not by no, any means. No, it's I just would not, not an anti-war movie. It's just uh, a war movie. Yeah, yeah. It's just it it very realistic um or at least i i mean i can't really say because i've never been in that situation but i what i would imagine to be a very realistic take on what actually being in war during these fights would be like yeah yeah um and it's not saying anything really pro or anti it's just showing you what it what it is yeah and you can just take away what you take away from it yeah yeah um i would agree with you so i got some trivia for y'all let's hear it my favorite part the two german soldiers who were surrendering at the beginning of the movie uh who then vin diesel kills um Mm -hmm. they are saying please don't shoot me i am not german i am czech i didn't kill anyone i am czech they were speaking czech hmm um oh (laughs) interesting uh 
The movie was originally banned in Malaysia for some reason. Can't figure out why. Um, it has nothing to do with Malaysia. No, but Malaysia Probably was going through violence. a civil war at the time. Um, oh, okay. That would yeah, make that sense. that makes sense. Okay. Um, so this movie resurrected Ted Danson's career. Good for him. His his cameo basically proved he could do drama, and he's been working steadily ever since. Love the good place. The noted drama, the good place. It, um, okay, you know what I mean. I do. Uh, Spielberg cast Matt Damon because he wanted an unknown actor with an all-American look. Uh, tisk, in the meantime, tisk. between the filming of the movie and the release, Goodwill Hunting came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And didn't he win an award, right? Uh, he won an Oscar for Yeah, Gage told me he won the Oscar that year. Not for acting, for screenplay. Yeah, but still, he won. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar. Goodwill Hunting was like a gigantic hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes you guys have covered. There you go. <laughs> a fun movie about math. Yeah. Uh, so, in the a lot of the scenes where the soldiers uh, have lost limbs during the battle, they are played by amputees. Oh. Um, with prosthetic limbs to simulate having arms or legs blown off. Good for them. That makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spielberg said that he would have released the movie unchanged if it had gotten an NC-17 rating, because he was that proud of it, basically. Mm. Hmm. Um, Has there been any movies rated that that have won Oscars no. that you can think of? No. Uh, so in the seven, before the NC-17 rating, when it was the X rating... Midnight Cowboy was a hit, and that was in, like, 1973, mm. and that was nominated for, like, Best Picture and everything, but the last big-budget movie to be rated NC-17 was Showgirls, and that was a bomb, oh. so yeah. nobody oh. does it mm. anymore. Um, Frank Darabont did script doctor work on the screenplay. Um, and he is uncredited. He is also... Uh, he wrote good, um, not Goodwill Hunting. He wrote the Shawshank Redemption, Ooh. and he created oh, The Walking okay. Dead. Oh, interesting! Mm. And then the original. These are some what could have been things. Uh, mm. Michael Bay was offered the movie, and he turned it down. Um, mm. He said. I had gotten movie offers and turned them down. They sent me Saving Private Ryan, but I wouldn't have known what to do with it. I think that it was a good choice for him to turn that down, because otherwise it would have been a Pearl Harbor. Woo! (laughs) I agree. I think that uh, putting this in the hands of Steven Spielberg was the right move. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Edward Norton were both considered for Private Ryan. Uh, Hmm. Not NPH. And so was Noah Wiley from ER, uh, which I can, I can see Edward Norton in it, but he's too... I can see that too, yeah. There's something about Matt Damon that has like an aw shucksness to him mm-hmm. that I think that Edward Norton lacks. I agree. I'd agree, yeah. yeah. It's the cryptocurrency. Because <laughs> he fell for it? Mm-hmm. Oh, shucks, uh, I fell for it again. And then 
two other actors considered for the role of Captain Miller, uh, Mel Gibson and Ooh. Harrison Ford. Oh, nah, Tom Hanks was the I right I think move. both of them would have been, yeah, bad, bad call on that. Well, Tom Hanks is a good one. Anna, would this movie be better or worse than the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Private Ryan? No. That would worse. look like we sent a child to war. <laughs> In 1998, that would have looked like we sent a whole ass child to war. I don't think so. And I think well, Matt we Damon. We sent thousands upon thousands of children to Man, war. Lower your voice. I don't want to hear your logic. <laughs> just want to look at the hotness that is Matt Damon looking. Mm, 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 mm. I think it's Matt Damon. He did a good job. He was, I think. Matt Damon in real life would have a very similar personality to this guy of that mm-hmm. I'm tough and rough and tumble with a little bit of a sensitive side but I'll be damned if I show it to you you know what I mean I do so I think it works mm-hmm. with Matt Damon um, Austin who is your favorite actor performer what have you so that is a good question and I've been thinking about it for a while um, and my camera just died because my laptop died so this is just going to be audio now. Okay. Um, but I was thinking about that question for a while, ever since we made the plan for me to come on here. Mm-hmm. And my original answer, and the one that I've been saying for a long time, is Jack Nicholson. Oh. Okay. But but I took a look at the movies he's actually been in, the ones that I've seen, mm-hmm. and really it's just because I love The Shining, oh. and he does a great performance in that. Mm-hmm. But I looked through then other popular actors – um, and I think I settled on, um, no, I forgot his name. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson, because every movie I've seen with him, I love, and his performance is always fantastic. So I think I'm going to go with him. Excellent okay. Choice. Um, would this movie be better, worse or the same with Samuel L. Jackson as Captain Miller? I think it would be worse. And kind of for the reasons you were talking about, um, you know, just a couple of minutes ago, I think that Samuel Jackson, while he would have kind of brought a uh, sarcastic, you know, way about it, you know, a little bit more like a sweary, hard ass type deal. I don't think that's what the role called for. Yeah. And so I think it definitely would have been worse. Would have there have been a place for him to be in this movie somewhere? Possibly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think as Captain Miller, he would have made the movie better i think it would have been worse yeah i i think this movie didn't need nick fury it needed the the heart that tom hanks can bring to it Mm -hmm. um would it be better worse or the same with george clooney as any of the soldiers Mm, the same he's too beautiful for war dan that's what i was gonna say too Mm mm-hmm he could have been the second in command. I could have seen him in he that. He could have. Yeah, he would have been role, good. Yeah. Uh, but like Noah Wiley, he was busy with ER. I also don't think that he was ever considered. Um, do either of you have anything else to add before we wrap this episode up? I don't think so. I actually so. did have one oh, piece of trivia for you. Yes. Okay. Um, so before the movie started filming... Um, Steven Spielberg sent all of the people in the platoon to a very grueling, basic training boot mm-hmm. camp type deal. 
except for Matt Damon. Mm. And yes. he did it on purpose so everyone resent him. And I think that really shows in the performance. Oh, I think <laughs> I heard about that. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I, I agree. I think it shows and I think it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Good call on his part. Um, That's all I had. Well, hopefully you don't resent us, dear listener. Uh, But thank you for listening to this week's episode of In Conclusion. We will be back next week where we will be talking about another war movie. We're doing a trilogy of these. uh, And the next one we will be talking about, we're jumping forward 50 years to Black Hawk Down. Ooh, I don't know anything about this movie. Ewan McGregor's in it. Tom Hardy's in it. Unfortunately, Barry Pepper is not in it. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so hard for the pep heads in the in the audience, huh? Um, please, it's the red hot chili peppers. Oh, I was to say the pepperdews. Ooh, that works too. Banana That's a peppers. melon. Pepperdew, pepperdew. It's some. It's it's like some recently discovered. Oh, I thought that was a type food. of pepper. Anyway, uh, if you want to support In Conclusion and help us figure out what kind of pepper a pepadoo is, you can do so on Facebook and Twitter at and in Conclusion, or on Instagram at In Conclusion Podcast, or you can subscribe to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash inconclusion. If you want to find me, I am on Twitter at danokeefe86, and I am on TikTok at notdanokeefe. Austin, now's your time. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at a underscore sack two, and you can find me on Instagram at a underscore sack two because a underscore sack was taken by a German spam bot back in 2001 <laughs> and a guy named Aaron on Instagram. Yeah, so I can't get either of those. And then if you wanted to follow. Um, I have a vinyl collection page um, on Instagram. That's ASAC underscore vinyl. Um, give that a follow. I try to post um, about a vinyl a week or so. I would really appreciate getting those numbers up. That's cool. Follow A underscore. Is it ASAC? A underscore ASAC underscore vinyl okay. for the vinyl page. ASAC cool. underscore vinyl. Pump those numbers up, baby. Hell yeah. Anna, where can they find you? You can find me shortly. I'll be in my bed. But after that, you can find me on You Instagram. hear that, people? You can find Anna in her bed. Here's <laughs> the address. Don't I'm wearing my minion pajamas. I don't want any visitors. Don't bother me. They say cranky on the front. That's what I'll be if I'm woken up. You can find me on Instagram at Atomus Prime 818 or you can find me on Twitter at Autobots Roll Out, capital O for auto, capital B for bots, capital R for roll and the O and roll and the O and out are zeros. Boom. We will be back next week with Black Hawk Down. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, have fun, get vaccinated. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being a fan. Podcast.